0: This is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today, we're going to look at part two of dying to ourselves so that we can live a new and an abundant life. And here's what I'm learning. As I die to myself, I also die to my old limitations, to my worldly limitations, to all of those things that I learned that would limit me now in my new life with Jesus I learned that I have no limitations, that nothing will be impossible for me because I've put off the old self with all its tendencies and all its temptations, and now I'm living a new life, a limitless life in Jesus. We need to die to ourselves, because if we learn to die to ourselves, we will finally figure out how to live that wonderful life that we could have only dreamed of. And I don't know about you, I'm looking for a better life. How many of you are looking for a better life than what you have right now? All right? That's what we're talking about today is how to get to that better life. And it it goes the pathway goes through dying to our old self. Just a couple of reminders of last week, because this week is part two of what we were talking about last week. So let's summarize last week just very quickly. When we talk about the flesh, everybody say flesh flesh. When we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the old part of ourselves that we wish we could get rid of. The addictive self, the angry self, the manipulative self, the control freak self, that part of ourselves that we want to get rid of anyways, that's what we refer to and the Bible refers to it as our flesh, okay? The old self. The second thing we learned last week, just very quickly, is that you are your own worst enemy. All right. You think you have a bad enemy out there, somebody who has it in for you. You're worse than that person out there. You're your own worst enemy. And so the idea here is for us to die to our own worst enemy. The one that always trips us up. We asked last week, have you ever tempted yourself before? (laughs) Yeah, we all tempt ourselves. And so we're we're our own worst enemy. Look, the third thing that we learned is that our flesh is the literal mouthpiece of the devil into our lives. When our flesh is alive and well, then we're going to hear lies, threats, paranoic thoughts, you know, the thoughts that are going to bring us down. But when our flesh dies, the mouthpiece of the enemy is gone. And we stop hearing those voices in our head that we wish we could get rid of. All right. Some people hear literal voices in their head. I'm glad I'm not one of them. But we hear voices in our head that we wish would just shut up. Have you ever wished you'd you'd just turn your mind off? All right. When the flesh dies, your mind can relax. You don't have to be consumed, obsessed, vexed. You can be set free. The fourth thing that we learn, though, is exactly what I said very initially, is that you died, or excuse me, Jesus died so that you would die. Many times we like we like to hear the message: Hey, Jesus died so that I could live, and He did. But He died so that your old self would die with Him. All right. And the fifth thing that we learned last week was that we: How do we die? You say, How can I die to my old self? I want to know how to do that. Well, last week we learned that the suffering situations that you have in your life they help you die to yourself. You go through illness. A part of you kind of dies off if you'll cooperate with God. You go through a divorce, a part of you kind of dies off. You go through a a breaking up of some kind of relationship, a part of you dies off if you will cooperate with God through that suffering process. And so I encourage you uh, to to listen again to last week's message so that you can kind of get this summary in a little bit more detail. So let's just launch right in to what we're talking about today, part two of Dying to Yourself. We're going to be in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 15. I'm not going to be jumping around a bunch of different scriptures as much as I normally do, (laughs) but we will kind of go through Colossians 2, this is in the Bible, verses 6 through 15, 10 verses so if you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along. Otherwise, we'll show it up here on the screen so that you can see it yourself. Colossians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 6, here goes. Therefore, this is the Apostle Paul who wrote Colossians to the Colossian church. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So walk in him. Now let's, let's break this down just a little bit. The first word that we see here is receive. Receive. As a Christian, as someone who wants to follow Jesus, did you know all you have to do is just receive from him? You don't have to go get for yourself. You just receive from Jesus. In fact, here's what happens. So we're talking about the flesh, getting rid of your old self. The more you receive Jesus, the more of your old self gets pushed out of you. You're like a cup. You're like a glass. You only have limited capacity for so many bad things in your life. Did you know that? You can only have so much bad in your life. But when you start receiving the pure life that Jesus gives you, it starts pushing all that old gunk out of you, and you start being renewed. The old self starts getting just literally pushed out because Jesus is gushing new life and rinsing you out. Look at this, this word right here. You have received Christ Jesus. You don't have to work for him. You don't have to get to the place where you earn something from Jesus. No, you just come to him and say, give me more of you. <laughs> I am done with my old self. I am fed up with me. Please start filling me with more of you. And so he displaces the old flesh out of you and you start receiving the new, better improved version of who you want to be. All right. Now here's the other word that you see up here on the screen is so walk in him. Walk in Jesus or walk with Jesus. And I love to do this every day. Man, I get up and I take a walk. And guess what? I'm not walking alone. I'm walking with Jesus. And I'm talking to him. And I'm listening to him. Now, how many of you like to take long drives in your car, your truck, or motorcycle, whatever? You like that, all right? Okay, some of you don't. Some of you do. For those that you that do like driving, there's nothing like getting on the road for me seeing that horizon, that southwest horizon, man, that's endless, you know, with the sun either coming up, going down, or above me, it doesn't matter, and just spending alone time with God. So whatever your vibe is, man, wherever you like to get to just be by yourself, get to that place and go with Jesus. Walk with Him, because here's what happens. When you tune down, all right, and you start meditating, and I'm talking about real meditation, not the kind, you know, the Eastern Transcendental meditation. I'm talking about meditating, thinking on God. Man, you just calm down, take a deep breath, and enjoy God's presence all around you. Here's what's going to happen. He starts teaching you. He starts showing you things that you didn't know before, And he shows you things about your old self that you need to get rid of. And then he starts helping you get rid of that junk in your life. So receive from him. Walk with him. Let's read verse 7. It says, now listen to me, by the way. This is just me reading my Bible. You can read your Bible too. You can get good things out of the word of God for yourself. Every morning, take some time to crack open the Bible. If it's on your phone, I always read on my phone. I read on my computer. I don't. I don't have. <laughs> I do have a hard copy of the Bible, but you can get your Bible app, and you can just read it all and just let it refresh you. So anybody can do what I'm doing right now is read the Bible and get something good for yourself. Verse seven. I'll show it up here on the screen as well. It says it continues. And it says, "Having been firmly rooted." All right. Picture a plant that's rooted down deep or a tree that's rooted down deep, having been firmly rooted, now being built up in him and established in your faith. In other words, your faith in God, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Now, look, look at this. This is so good. Here are one, two, three, four signs that you're not walking in your flesh, that you've gotten rid of your flesh, and now you're living in the new person that Jesus has for you to live in. These are so cool. Listen to this. You're rooted, all right? Check these four things out. First of all, you're rooted. You're not flaky. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a flaky person. All right, how can we be flaky? Well, you can be flaky as a parent, Have you ever been a flaky parent before? I have. All right, I have four kids. They can attest to the fact that I've been flaky in the past. But you know what kids really like is when a parent isn't flaky. They're rooted. They're solid. They're consistent. They're a consistent mom or dad with their kids. You can be flaky in your marriage. All right? You can flake out on your partner. God doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to be rooted, established, firm, consistent. All right? That shows you're not walking in your old self. Now you're walking in your new self, your kids, your spouse, they all see the difference that you're stable and you're not flaking. You can flake out in church and say, you know what, I'm going to come to church once a month. I'm going to come to church just every so often and say, you know, I want to be in church every time the door is open because I don't want to be a flake anymore. <laughs> I want to be strong spiritually. I want to be strong personally and even be strong professionally. Why? Because I'm rooted, all right? Now, look at this next, next sign of not being a fleshly, old kind of person, not, not physically like elderly. I'm talking about the old self, all right, is you're built up. You're built up. Now, when you start following Jesus... You're going to become a better person. You're going to be better professional. You're going to be a better marriage partner, as I've mentioned, better friend. All right. You're built up. That means you're growing. You're not the same person you were yesterday. All right. You're not the same person you were last month or last week. You see noticeable personal, spiritual, and even professional growth in your life because you're not being the old person that you used to be. You've died to that old person, and now you're becoming the better version, improved version of yourself. You're not the only person that's gonna notice this growth, by the way. Others around you are gonna start noticing it as well. Some of the most satisfying experiences have been when I'm at work or I'm with someone that I know and they say, there's something different about you and this doesn't happen all the time it just happened you know throughout my life here and there some person has said there's something different about you you know what That's an instant opportunity to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and how I've gotten rid of my old self is crucified with Christ up on the cross. And I'm a new person because of Jesus Christ, him doing changes and making changes in my life. Here's the third thing that proves out that I'm not walking in the old old self anymore. And that is I'm conscious of my faith in God. All of a sudden, I'm thinking about my faith in God, whereas before I didn't even think about it anymore. And now I'm thinking about my connection with Jesus, because that's what faith is. Faith is like your you're, you're water skiing. There's the boat out in front of you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus. That's God. He's pulling you through life. Your faith is that cord that you're hanging on to. It's your faith between you and that boat. That's your faith in God, a connection with God. And as you leave your old flesh behind, you start thinking about your connection with God more and more and more. And it becomes more important to you. And you foster it. You you work on it. You want to make that faith stronger and stronger. And you rely on it as well, obviously. And the the fourth thing is this, is a sign that you're not walking in the flesh anymore. You tend to be more thankful. You tend to be more thankful. All right, we were running out of dish soap the other day, and I was filling up our little dispenser to wash some dishes. And as I was pushing the the the, the you know metal or what do you call plastic bottle, trying to get that last drip out because you don't want to waste anything anymore, right? We're pushing that. Yeah, I was thanking God for that soap. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus, for just a little bit more soap here. You know, you start thanking God if if you got a backache, you thank God. Man, thank you, God, that my neck doesn't hurt. You know, you start thanking God for the three friends that you have instead of the one that you lost. You thank God because you're driving a car. Thank you, Jesus, for the gas in this car that's getting me from point A. to. You just, it says gratitude just flows or overflows out of you. That's a sign that you're not living in your old self. Now, if you scratch your head and you say, I don't feel thankful today. What's wrong with me? I don't get what's going on. Well, I'm probably taking that old person off the cross that I used to be and living that way again and saying, no, 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 I'm pinning you back up where Jesus was because I don't want you anymore. So long, self. (laughs) As one Christian song says, so long, self, I'm tired of me. Give me a better version of me. So these are some signs. Now let's jump back in in verse verse 8. It says, see to it then that there's no one who takes you captive To philosophy, to an empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of this world, but rather in accordance with Christ. Well, when you're living in your old self, the addictive self, the angry self, the the irritable self, the fearful, panicked self, the worry self, all right, when you're living that way, you're living in the old human traditions. Because, you know, that's the way everybody else lives. That's the way your parents raised you to live. You watched your mom, your dad, or whoever raised you. They were worried, so you're worried all the time. They were fearful, so you're fearful all the time. They went to their little secret addictions. You go to your... When stress presses in, you go to your secret addictions. All of us have them, all right? But it says here, see to it that no one takes you captive to these human traditions, to these elementary principles of the world, but rather... Live in a different way. Live in a different way. All right? These, this, this, uh, th- this, these principles of the world, they're crude and basic notions and teachings that just plain old don't work. Has worry ever gotten you anywhere in your life? Has it ever helped you? Has being paranoid that something bad is going to happen to you, has it ever helped you? Have superstitions ever helped you? They don't help you. They're crude, dumb Elementary teachings and notions that we have that just simply don't work. Well, let me give you some other examples of these basic world principles that we all live by. We all shackle ourselves down to and allow ourselves to be tied down and made captive to these. But look at these couple of examples. We think that doctors and medicine are the only thing that can help us when we get sick, physically sick. That's a that's a worldly notion. But let me tell you what. When you crucify your flesh on the cross and say I'm not going to live the old way, the new the new self comes to life as the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about you being born again. Born again. If you get our text, our daily text on Friday, you'll see the 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 interaction Jesus had with Nicodemus where Nicodemus said, "How can I be saved?" and Jesus came to him and he said, You have to be born again. This is in your Catholic Bible, your Christian Bible. You'll see it there. You have to be born again. So the new self comes to life. And what happens? Now you have the great physician, Jesus, who can heal your body when you get sick. And you say, Steve, are you completely out of your mind? Healed? Are you kidding me? Divine, supernatural healing? Yes, I'm telling you. You know why? Because it's happened to me many times. I've prayed for such things as minors, a cold, and God heal me. I remember my daughter had the swine flu way back when, before COVID, years before COVID. There was a swine flu, and she caught it. Man, God healed her and protected her, not to mention COVID. We all got COVID. I remember my mom mom had COVID over 80 years old, and within one day, she was over it. (laughs) I'm telling you, God, the great physician... Says these worldly principles are bunk, they're baloney. Look to me, and I will overcome these basic principles, these limitations that you face. Look, here's another example you say, My job or the government's the only source of provision in this world. And Jesus says, Nuh uh, no way. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. I had a friend of mine tell me just this morning, a little short on cash, walking along, found a $20 bill. Praise God. Hey, if God wants to work that way, he can work that way. You might think that human relationships is the only thing to cure your loneliness. No way God can cure your loneliness. All right, you might think that your personal significance only comes from a title or a position at work or something that you've accomplished. And God says, no way. Your significance is much deeper than something you've done for yourself. So when we die to our flesh, look at this and listen to this carefully. When you die to your old self, you die to its limitations as well. And then you begin to realize the Bible is right. Jesus was true when he said, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. You can accomplish anything in this world with his help. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of here in Colossians 2 and jumping ahead to a verse. Uh, and then we'll come back to verse 9 here in just a second. But let, read this. This has been my verse for this last half of 2020. Colossians 2.20, it says, If then you've died with Christ, you die with Christ to the material ways of looking at things, these worldly principles that I just mentioned, and you've escaped the captivity of the world's crude and elemental notions and teachings of externalism, then why on earth are you living as if you still belong to the world? See, when you belong to Jesus, you don't belong to this world anymore. If you don't belong to this world anymore, you don't belong to the limitations of this world any longer either. Begin to have faith in God and let his powerful so-called motorboat pull you to places that you could have never gone yourself because of faith in God. So this limited worldly mentality, it's got to go. But let's go back to verse 9 now in Colossians 2. It says, for in him, in who? Well, in, in Christ Jesus, in him, all the fullness of the deity... Dwells in bodily form. What is deity? That means God. All right. All of God lives in Jesus in bodily form. So if you can't picture God, have you ever tried to, I want to picture God. I wonder what God looks like. You know what? Jesus came in, in, in flesh. He came in the body so that you could have a picture of what God looks like. Not just his face, not just his body, but what did he do? What did he say? How did he act? How did he react? What was his purpose? Now you can read the Bible and know what God looks like and what he acts like and who he is. But it says, in him, you have been made complete. You have been made complete. Now let me tell you something. This is a news flash. Nothing in your flesh, nothing in your own self, can make you feel complete or give you a sense of satisfaction. You will always have a hole in your heart, so to speak, an emptiness in your soul. Everybody. Look at all these people who are famous, popular, powerful, rich. Do they feel complete? Oh, I was supposed to bring you those quotes from Mike Tyson and Steve Jobs. My goodness, I didn't do it. I'll do it next Sunday, all right? These men, these women who are so successful that you might see on our shark tank or read about in in social media, they're empty. They're empty. So why are you and I chasing after the same things that haven't satisfied them? The only person who will make you feel complete and fill this empty part of your soul is Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself. So stop searching and looking for stuff that's not going to work. It's already been proven that it's not going to work. All right? In Jesus, you will be complete. You will be satisfied. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to throw it up here on the screen again. Look, there's, I think there's four basic things we're looking for in life. I really believe this. We're looking for an, for an identity. We want to be somebody that everybody else recognizes. We want to be somebody. We want an identity. But look, in Jesus, you can have an identity without being well known. Isn't that awesome? You can have a strong identity, know who you are, and not have a soul know who you are. Your identity doesn't come from other people recognizing you. Your identity comes from God recognizing you. That's what it is. Now, here's the second thing. We all want significance in life. Man, when I die, I want to know that I did something good in this world, that I accomplished something, I hate to say it, that's remembered. All right? I want to leave a legacy. But you know what? Significance comes from God even with no accomplishment at all. God gives you significance even if you haven't accomplished much in life. Sense of significance, a sense of meaning, of purpose... The, second, the third thing is, is security. With Jesus, you can be secure without much wealth. Wealth doesn't bring you security. It doesn't bring you a, a sense of, of, of just knowing that you know, everything's going to be all right. Jesus brings you security. And then lastly, Jesus brings this, this completeness to you by making you feel safe and be safe. I'll never forget, and I've told this story before, but it's been a while. Um, A couple of Easters ago, on Easter Sunday, I was walking down a street close to where we live. One side is desert. No homes, no nothing for miles, all right? On the other side is this rock wall with the backyards of those homes, you know, facing the street. So basically a high rock wall, and I'm walking down this street nobody anywhere, it's probably about 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. I'm walking along, praying, just kind of getting ready for Sunday morning. And this car, as soon as the car passed, I felt like this, kind of creepy feeling. I don't know if you've you've ever had kind of one of those feelings come. Drive by, they stop, two men pop out, and there's nobody. I mean, I'm the only guy. (laughs) And two guys pop out of a car, I can look in their eyes, they're high, you know, they're... uh, bad intentions and one guy just starts walking towards me the other guy gets out of the car but he just puts his arms on the on the on the roof of the car and this guy's coming right at me so I'm thinking you know I can run back but I've got probably about a quarter of a mile before I get to anything I can run into the desert they probably shoot me uh, I can run this way but their car's already facing that way they're jumping the car and they catch me and I can try to jump a wall so kind of four options what I do I take option five <laughs> Option five is I just start walking straight at the guy. I'm like walking this way. He's coming this way. I turn and I start going right at him. <laughs> he kind of looks at me. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said something about Jesus. All right? Because I believe the name of Jesus is powerful. As soon as I said the name of Jesus, this guy's a look of just confusion and like, what did this guy just tell me? So, I said it again. Whatever it was I said. And he said, no, 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 no. He starts backing off like this. He jumps in his car. His buddy jumps in the car, and they drive off. And at one point, they started following me again because I hightailed it and started back up the street. They started following me. But you know what? I knew I was safe. I knew I was safe. And let me tell you what. When you get rid of your flesh, all right, get rid of your worries, your fear, Jesus makes you safe. And the Bible says many times over, nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. Praise God. Take a hold of that rope, get behind the power of God, and let Him take you to where He wants to take you. Praise God. It goes on, it says, He is the head over every ruler and authority. He's the head. Over every ruler and authority now. Let me tell you about this. I've been learning this one over the last couple of weeks and even months. Jesus is the commander of the armies of heaven. In the Bible, it seems pretty clear that a third of the angels decided to follow Lucifer. All right. And and so if a third of the angels are the demons, how many angels are there in heaven for every demon here on earth? Two. Two. Two angels for every spirit that's out there, all right? Praise God. We've got the ruler of the universe on our side. He's outnumbered the enemy two to one. <laughs> the Bible says in, in, one, in one Old Testament story that one archangel put to death 180 troops that were attacking Israel. That's the power of God. Jesus is the head over every ruler and authority. The Bible describes him as the commander of the armies of the Lord. What does a commander do, by the way? Think about this. What does a commander do? He commands. (laughs) All right? If it's a female commander, she commands all right they command and jesus is no different he commands if we look in joshua 5:13 through 15 here joshua was leading 2 million people from the desert into the promised land they'd already crossed the river jordan the bible says that here he's on the plains of jericho and one day he's standing out there they haven't attacked jericho yet if you remember that story where the jericho walls came they actually came out But anyways, before that story, here's here's uh, Joshua by himself out in the plains of Jericho, and he looks up and he sees a man with a drawn sword, and Joshua walks up to him, because Joshua's feeling pretty confident. The the Lord had told him, be strong and courageous. So he was strong and courageous. He goes up to the stranger and he says, are you for us? Are you against us? (laughs) The man replies, neither, but... As commander of the armies of the Lord, I have now come. And Jesus is coming into your life right now. And he's saying, I'm coming, but I'm coming as commander of your life. It's time for you to put your flesh up there and let me take charge of your life. You're going to have it a lot better off with me in charge rather than you in charge. But as commander of the Lord... The armies of the Lord have come. Joshua falls face downward in reverence before him, and he says, What message from the Lord do you have for me? The commander of the Lord of the armies of, of the Lord's armies replied, Take off your sandals. Take off your flesh. When Jesus shows up, you need to get rid of your old self. Don't come to Jesus with your pride, your accomplishments, you know, your giftings, your talents, say, Forget it. I'm taking these things off. Just you and me, God. Just you and me, God. Well, in First Kings seventeen, the story of Elijah. There was a famine. Have we ever experienced famine here in the United States in our generation? Have you ever gone into a grocery store and there was not a single bit of food in the grocery store? People are starving in the streets. People are dying because there's no you and I. We don't know what famine is. We have no concept of what it is. There was a famine in Israel. Things were getting bad. And God tells this this prophet Elijah, he says, go to this brook, and look what he says, I have commanded the ravens to provide food for you there. The ravens, now, ravens are scavengers, ravens, they're like huge crows, they're massive. I was once at at the Grand Canyon, and I'd never seen a raven before, at least didn't realize I'd ever seen one, huge, like a massive crow, like scary, all right? And, and, and the word ravenous comes from ravens, because ravens, when they eat, they, they go to town, man. They're ravenous, all right? And so uh, the Lord commanded these scavengers to bring food to Elijah, not to eat the food themselves. He commanded. Isn't that amazing? God is in charge of this world, <laughs> He's in charge of this world. And when you put your faith in him, put your flesh on the cross, he's going to start commanding blessings in your life that you could have never dreamed of, commanding safety and protection over you and those that you care for. Here's just one other example. The disciples were in a boat that was in the midst of a storm. It was about to go under in Luke 8, 25. And Jesus says to them, where is your faith? Where's your rope? Who have you, you, where have you attached your rope to? Is it to the boat that's going to pull you out? But he says, where's your faith? But they were fearful and amazed and said to one another, because Jesus had stood up and he said, he commanded the winds to die down. There was peace all of a sudden here on this lake. And he and they said, who is this? Then he commands even the winds and the water. He commands nature. God is commander, and therefore he commands. And when you allow God to crucify your flesh on the cross, he will start commanding your life in impressive, amazing, unprecedented ways that you could have never dreamed of. Let's get rid of our old self. So these things start happening. In verse 11, going back to Colossians 2, Paul continues and says, And in him you were also... Now, here's the first time this term is used, circumcised with a circumcision performed without human hands, without hands. In other words, it's a spiritual change in your in your in your inner self, in the removal of the body of the of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Here's what God does. He takes out his holy scalpel, (laughs) his spiritual uh, operating tools and through suffering through trials, through tribulations, he starts cutting the old part of you off. Now, thankfully, anesthetizes us a little bit, so it's not terribly painful, but it does hurt. When God is trying to get something out of your life, it does hurt, believe me. Does it happen overnight? Typically, no, it takes some time. And God's cutting that thing out of your life. Maybe you have a loved one that's suffering, and you see them suffering, and you're suffering with them. Guess what? God's taking part of you out, changing your heart, all right, and it's described here circumcision, all right, a spiritual circumcision. In, in fact, in Romans 2.29, it says true circumcision is done in the heart, a changed person, a changed life. It is done by the Holy Spirit, not by the written law. In other words, it's not some effort that you can do on your own. No, it's initiated by God, not initiated by you. He says friend, it's time. Son, daughter, it's time. Let's get rid of that old part of you. And he starts the process through unfortunate suffering. Now, I'm not one to say, oh no, what bad thing's about to happen to me tomorrow? If you live that way, you're going to live miserable. All right. But you already have something bad going on in your life. You always do. There's always something bad going on in our lives. Don't waste the pain of the problem. Let it be used to get the old self the old flesh out of your life now here's some spiritual attitudes that we can adopt and you want to jot these down and there are these i've already mentioned one of them this we need to acknowledge this is god initiated are you going through a divorce i'm not saying he initiated your divorce but he's initiating a work in your life he's initiating a work in your life are you suffering financially you don't have enough money He's initiating a work in your life. Are you bored out of your mind and have nothing to hope for? He's initiating something in your life. Work with God. So, this acknowledging that it's God initiated. The second thing is be ready. The Bible says this prepare your mind for action, get ready for what God is doing. Don't be distracted by your stupid career. Or you're going to college. Don't get distracted. Do well in these things, but don't let it be numero uno in tu vida, all right? Don't let it be number one in your life. Get a grip. Put God first in your life and be ready. He has, he has plans for you. Your readiness of your attitudes. A readiness also is this. You're over it. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired in life. You're over it. Now, let's start doing things God's way. All right? And then you start seeing a change in your life. Some of you are here on Sunday morning. You're like, how did I even end up in church this morning? What happened here? All right? Hey, God brought you here for a reason. He's initiating a work in your life. Now... We need to start embracing the purpose for your suffering. Embrace it. Don't embrace the suffering. That's too hard. But embrace the purpose of the suffering. God is trying to do something in your life. He's trying to change you. And that's the fourth thing here is um, I've been, you know, everybody has their own problems they go through. I go through mine. And so about three months ago, I was like complaining and whining and griping to God about what I was going through. And God whispered in my ear, through his spirit, not my physical ear, but in my heart. And he said, Steve, I'm trying to change you. And guess what? God is trying to change you. He's trying to change you. Don't stay the same person for crying out loud. Do you want to die the person that you are today? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now? No, I want to be a different person when it's time to go. I want to be changed. And lastly, be excited about the new life that Jesus has for you on the other side. Not on the other side in heaven, in this life. God's got good plans for you. He's got a new person for you to be and to act and to react to. God has good things for you, so be excited. Well, let's finish up with these final thoughts right here. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul again in Colossians 2, it says, Having been buried with him in his in baptism, okay? When you die, you're buried. The old self needs to go on the ground. <laughs> Not physically, but, you know, bury him. Get rid of that old person. We've been buried through baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Let me tell you what. When Jesus raised, excuse me, when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he also raised you from the dead. Yeah. A new life, a reborn life. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with Jesus, having forgiven all your wrongdoings, the wrongdoings of the flesh. Now, there are many things in this country that are said to be okay that, according to God, are said to not be okay. And that's where the rub comes in, you know, the Christian rub. Are you a Christian? You're going to consider certain things wrong that this world says, it's okay. In fact, it's not even, it's better than okay. It's good. And you say, no, it's not good. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Promiscuity is horrible. And you go down the line. We've been very clear in services, and I'm not going to go through the list again. It's horrible in God's sight. And if it's horrible in God's sight, it needs to be horrible in our sight as well. We need to adopt God's laws into our lives. But here it says, basically, if I'm dead to God, (laughs) I'm dead to God when I'm living in my flesh. When I decide to live the old way, go ahead and party, get drunk, have affairs on my spouse, go ahead and spend my money in stupid ways and do all those things. If I live that way, I'm dead to God. I'm dead to his hope. I'm dead to his peace, his joy, his victory, his faith, his love, I'm dead to all the good things that God has for me. So it's time to put all of those things to death and start coming alive to the things that Jesus has for us. Lastly, in verse 14, it says, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, and I'll explain that in just a second, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way. (laughs) having nailed it to the cross. Let me tell you what, you do one wrong thing by God's law, and you're hosed. <laughs> Just one wrong thing. Well, guess what? I've done a million wrong things, and so have you. <laughs> and, and God's law is real short. Here you have the basically the Ten Commandments. You break them. Hey, you're, you're done. But Jesus came, and he paid the price for all of our wrongdoings. He suffered. He was crucified that I might live. But first, I need to put the old self up there on the cross so I don't keep doing those things Things again. Have you ever tried to stop doing something and you couldn't stop doing it? Have you ever done that? And I'm sure all of us have. You've tried to do the right thing and you couldn't. That's because your flesh is alive and well. Let's get rid of the flesh Jesus is on the cross. We need to be on the cross with him so that we can be set free and leave the flesh behind us, all right? But this cross, this cross of Jesus and represented by this rudimentary one that we have up here, that cross splits you in two. It split the old part of you And gave you the new part of you. And it's time for you and I to start living in the new life. And we're going to talk more about this next week. Living in the new life that Jesus has given us. Lastly, verse 15, here goes. Through all of this, he has disarmed rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them and triumphed over them through the cross. All right? And so, remember this. And I said it last week. But Goliath was this nine-foot-nine giant. And here's David with his sling. All right. And the Bible says that once the giant fell, David did something interesting. He took the armor off of Goliath. He disarmed him. Now, remember that the armor of the enemy in your life is your own flesh. What armors Satan against you is your own bad tendencies. He uses it against you over and over and over again. But you know what? Jesus says, if you will, if the Bible says, if you will, die to your flesh, you disarm the enemy, and now he can't have anything against you anymore because you've taken your own flesh off of him, and now you're free to come against him and be victorious. Live a victorious life. Does that make sense? I hope so. Let's pray.